0: And so back to your thing on, but what about volition? I'm like, no, time out. Like, you can't do this to me. I I don't care that I live in this world. Like, you can't have my life. You cannot rob me of my soul.
1: Welcome to The Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started. A revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling
0: morning. This is John.
1: Good morning, John. This is Troy. So thanks a lot for for making time for this. No, I appreciate you having me on. I I like to start the show just by prayer. Holy Spirit, guide our conversation, Lord. You know who's going to hear it. You know what they need to hear. Yes, God. Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today on the Kindling Fire, I have uh, John Eldridge back on the show. Thank you for coming on, John.
0: Yeah, Troy, I'm honored. Get to talk with you again.
1: So uh, today we're going to be talking about his most recent book, "Get Your Life Back: Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad." Uh, I love that you said the world has gone mad. That that just sounds like something out of a movie. <laughs>
0: Isn't it true?
1: <laughs> it's mad, I tell you. It, it feels that way. Um, yeah. Wh- what? What do you? I, I'd be very curious. Um, we're going to talk a lot about this book, but just that—just t- the world gone mad part. Like, what? You, like, what's your assessment, Like, why do you say that? What, what's your assessment? Well, everybody's
0: nodding, right? Because they're like, "Yeah, it has. My life's crazy, but..." I think right now, Troy, it's it's everybody has like a really crazy day, and everybody has a really crazy week. But when it turns into like, no, it's pretty much always crazy. That's the problem. Like, you know, it's a, it's a perfect storm right now. There's the pace of life. Uh, everybody's running so fast, and and. If you've got kids, um, you got kids like in sports, there's just utter madness to that. Or if you're running your own company or working for somebody else who's running their company, it's like more, 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 faster, faster. Let's get more done. And So you got the pace of life that everybody's trying to navigate. But then you add to that, we are way overconnected. I mean, we are super plugged in right now. And so... You know, we're checking our phones, you know, more than 80 times a day. And, and we are, you know, spending three hours on, on our phones just using apps, like five to nine hours on our phones all day. And, yeah. And so we're, like, super plugged in and, you know, it's email and text and social and all that. So there's no margin left, right, because you're running fast. And then any, any little bit of free time we used to have, any margin we used to have, everybody just pulls their phone out. And, and so you got that. And there's one more piece of the perfect storm, and it's the human, the human soul is never meant to be exposed to the news of the entire planet. And, and, but because we're so plugged in every day, there's just this tsunami of, of information coming at us. And, and we don't know how to filter it all. And it just kind of hits us. You know, you the fires in Australia, the earthquakes in Turkey. Now it's the coronavirus. You know, it's a political season, so there's all that. And so it's boom, 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 boom. You know, you're you're running fast. There's very little room left to just do those things that you enjoy and let you be human. And then you add to that how completely plugged in we are um, and how draining that actually is, like it's super not good for you. And, and then because we're so plugged in, then you have this tsunami of information and, and frankly just the heartache of the world, you know, the crisis, the trauma, all of it, you know, what's going on in Syria right now. And, and it just, it is too much for human beings. It's madness. Like nobody was, nobody was meant to live like this.
1: You know, I, I uh, recently had a friend of mine whose father passed away and in his last like hours, the conversations he was having was about um, rent and uh, paying utilities and some other Aww. items. And and the thing that... It, it broke my heart because men, men get into that, like, hamster wheel routine of life, and it feels like you're a victim of it or it's just the, the constant pressure. And yet this book is that title, Get Your Life Back, is a little different than, God, give me life, my life back. Or, God, yeah. will you stop situations so that I can have my life back? There's a little bit more of, no, no, God's you get your life back. So can you just talk a little bit about that feeling of being a victim versus kind of that empowering side of the gospel that allows you to say stop the madness if you will
0: well yeah what way to go troy that's a that's a great insight i haven't i haven't uh had anybody point that out but that's super important because what i realized was for myself this this book is me this book is you know like i need it and my life got super crazy and I didn't like what it was doing to me. You know, I used to mountain bike. I'd stop mountain biking. I used to read. I'd stop reading. I just didn't have, I didn't have room to be a person anymore yeah. and, and to do those things that, that bring me life. And, and the kind of waking up to the really bad effects of it on me, I realized, wait a second, like, this isn't persecution. I'm not in a concentration camp. Like, <laughs> a lot of this, I could change. Like, yeah. not all of it. But some of it, I can change, and, and I can do some things exactly, right? That um, we're not handcuffed to our phones. feels like it, but we're actually not. And, and we actually I know I know the pace feels inevitable, but there is some breathing room. There are some adjustments, small-scale adjustments we can make, some of it really small-scale that because of the o- overtime you know benefits of it after a while you're like i'm doing better i'm the world's still spinning like crazy but i'm i'm doing okay and so i began to look for that i began to look for exactly what you said the things that i could do choices i could make mm-hmm. uh, to get out of the madness and yet you know i mean i'm still i have a job and I lead a company. I have 19 employees. I got, I got lots going on, you know. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like I can just walk away from my world, but I really did begin to find a way to get out of the madness and get my soul back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it's, um, I believe there's an element of, of God's endowment with us with courage and bravery um, that allows that slowing down, Um and uh, I guess the best example that I recall is that I remember reading a, a, the diary of Hudson Taylor. And this guy who wrote it said he went, he was a, a pastor of 50 people at a church and was super stressed, like super stressed, always very anxious. Hudson Taylor comes in, he just finds out that one of his missionaries was killed, and he's like, singing songs and having time with god and this pastor is like how are you not crushed under the weight of the things that you do and i think the the juxtaposing of those two worlds to me is there is a way to get your life back there's a way to live irrespective of the pressures and the speed and the connectivity if you will
0: yep Yep, there is, and that's the good news. Um, In fact, I didn't intend to write this book. Even I, I just had to start doing these things for myself, start making some choices, and and, uh, Jesus began to kind of show me. Because one of the big epiphanies was this: I, I, my soul was really baked. I mean, I was just cooked, yeah, and and spun up at the end of every day, and my head's going and. All that and and then I, I mentioned you know abandoning things that brought me life once because I just don't have time for them anymore. Yeah. It's like I don't have time for a mountain bike ride. That's nuts. I got to answer these emails. Yeah. Um, and and what I realized, Troy, was I was crying out for God. I I was asking for more of His life. But but the discovery was this: that if your soul is baked, if you are spun up, and and, and fried your your soul is how you receive God. So it's like the desert, you know, it, the desert can't receive those thunder showers. It can't receive the rain it needs. It just washes right off, you know, and, and thus flash floods and all that. Like, if your soul is not well, you can cry out to God, but it's really hard to receive what He's trying to bring to you. Oh, yeah. And, and, and so that was like a really big epiphany, because I thought this was kind of a God thing. Yeah, God, help me fix this. And and, and what he said is he said, John, you, you gotta take care of your soul. Yeah. Because as it as it goes with your soul, so you know, your soul gets better, you're able to save God, you're able to save God, then your life gets better, your life gets better, you're receiving more of God, your soul's getting better and this wonderful momentum begins to pick up in your life in the in the direction of wholeness and
1: joy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh,
0: but, but it's centered with, for me, the epiphany was, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm asking God to wave a wand when in fact, what I need to begin to do is get out of the madness a little bit, create a little bit of soul space, mm-hmm. get my soul better. And, and then I can receive all the help that God is sending. So, so one of the things in, in
1: listening to, um, I've listened to you for years and in with this book you have this concept of being kind to your soul. Um and I guess I want to ask you a little bit you're you're explaining a little bit of it now like it is kind to do the things that you're suggesting. But like can you flesh out a little bit like it, or even the nature of the soul like why does it need kindness? Can it just keep pace?
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, um, our, soul, our soul is actually, uh, it's a very beautiful thing, but it's actually not infinite. Only God is infinite. And, and that's why exposing your soul to constantly to the news of the world is really unkind, because your soul is never meant to carry the tragedy of the world. Only God can do that. Your, your soul is like village-sized. In fact, there's a fascinating, I just learned about this guy, Dunbar, uh, a sociologist who, who's done a lot of research on this, like human beings for centuries lived in villages of about 150 people, and he said that 150 seems to be the, the balance sized uh, for, for health of the human soul, and, and then he added some brain research to that It says, like, you, you literally are only able to handle the news, the information, the joys, the heartaches, the struggles, all of that, of about 150 people, uh, a community of about 150. And, and so when you take your finite soul and you constantly bombard it with the news of the world, you know, I just, I just was hearing in the fires in Australia, 1.9 billion animals have died. And, like, I'm a big animal lover. I'm a nature guy. And it's like to hear that just crushes me, you know. It's like, what? And so you were never meant to know that. Your soul was never meant to have to deal with all that or or the, you know, political, you know, uh, bombs going off and the hatred and everything. So kindness towards your soul is is to begin to say, is the pace of my life something that I would wish for people I love? You know, if I, were, if I were to try and care for people I love, would I put on them the pace that I put on myself? You know, would I expose them to the news and the information that I expose myself? You begin to go, wait a second. Like, this is, this is not kind. And, and the, soul, the soul, again, is something you really actually have to care for and And if we care for it and nurture it, then you get all this joy in your life, and you really love your life so here 's an example part of where this book began was this we We have little grandchildren now, little ones, like three years old, two years old, one years old yeah and i I love them and it 's a hoot to be around them they 're just they 're just so totally in the present moment, you know nothing else exists uh, when i 'm with them, but me and and them and what we 're doing, <clears throat> but I found Troy that. Before I began to really pull out of the madness, like what, I was so spun up in the world, I found that I could play with my grandchildren for about five minutes. And then I wanted to check my phone, and I wanted to check my email, and I wanted to you know, check the weather, check the news, kind of like plug back into the grown-up world. And I'm like, sucks you can't even pay attention to your grandchildren for five minutes? Like, whoa. Like you are, you are way stressed and caught up in the pace and the madness of it all. But then I read Nicholas Carr's book, *The Shallows*: What the Internet's doing to our brains, and I discovered that that's actually happening in our brains—the the use of the smartphone, the use of Google and the Internet, the way we pursue information these days, the texting, the, the short little posts, the quick like, the quick swipe. It's literally changing the structure of the human brain to rob you of your attention, to Mm. erode our attention to the point now that, like, even academics and part of Carr's research was contacting a bunch of, like, brainiac people and PhDs, people whose world is reading, and they were confessing to him, oh, yeah, I don't read anymore. I, I, I use the Internet. I can only read, like, short blog posts. And then I get distracted, and I want to go on to the next thing. And so we've created this, this really horrible environment for the human soul that's deteriorating our attention. And, and so back to your thing on, but what about volition? I'm like, no, time out. Like, you can't do this to me. I, am, I don't care that I live in this world. Like, you can't have my life. You cannot rob me of my soul and and of joy and of you know things like playing with my grandkids so that was like the that was the wake up call for me was i am going to fight my way out of this uh, to literally like get my attention back my ability to linger with something for more than you you know you look at a text or, or you you know, you check the news like longer than that like to be able to linger in Mm-hmm. conversation. Linger at the river when I'm there. Linger in the joy that God is bringing me. Linger in God, like being able to give God my attention. Do, do you think that
1: there is a pace in which to walk with God or there's a pace in which walking with God works better than... Yeah. Yes? Yeah, no question.
0: Well, here, the first mind blower is this. Just everybody, it's good to remember that this moment isn't normal. It's our normal, so we think it's normal. But for thousands of years, and you go back to the, you know, all the men and women of the scriptures who walk with God, the pace of human life was three miles an hour. Hmm. That was the pace of life because everybody walked. Yeah. And so in the, in the passages in the Gospels, and this was the other really big mind-blower for me was, You know, we read the Gospels and we project our moment into them. We project our pace of life. So, you know, we read Jesus healed this guy and then Jesus taught those people and then Jesus, you know, stopped and spoke to this woman and then he, you know, confronted the Pharisees. And we think those events are taking place like social media, just boom, 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 boom. It's just scroll, 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 and the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But, for example, when Jesus, you know, in, in the Gospel of Mark, when it says Jesus left Jerusalem and went back up to Galilee, that took three days walking, <laughs> three days. And so he, Jesus actually doesn't go from one dramatic event into the most amazing teaching, into the encounter with someone his life is not like that at all there's all of this margin there is breathing room in there and and you're looking at the man who was living the most important life ever i mean it was it was a very busy life in the sense of drama and trauma and opposition and hatred and joy and crowds and there was a lot going on right i mean this is this is the guy this is like the most significant human life ever lived and yet uh, Jesus realized, like, you've got to have space in between things. You, you have to have margin so that you don't just go from, you know, dropping your sixth grader off at school and praying with them and trying to help you know, them with their anxiety, straight into, you know, an angry phone call with your mechanic over your car, straight into a meeting at work, straight into lunch with a friend. Straight, you can't do that. Like the, that's not the pace that God designed for us, and again, I know, look you know people are listening to this going, but you don't know my life. It's like, but I know mine, i I know how nuts my life is, you know i I actually have two careers i I have a career as an author, and it involves things like this, like podcasting and interviews, and it involves travel for me and obviously writing and editing and creating books and that sort of thing. and then I also have you know, the organization of Ransom Parts, and 19 employees, and you know, we're making films, and we're doing podcasts, and we're holding events. I have a very full life. So I know what the madness of the world is like these days, but I'm telling you, there is a way out. And Jesus began to show me really simple things, and I know one of them has become a favorite of yours, and it was learning to take a one-minute pause. Oh, yeah, yeah. Learning Learning to pause in the day,
1: right? So so I I vlogged almost eight hundred minutes on that app <laughs> and and uh, You are the poster child. Listen, I, here's, here's why. So I, um, so going into this year, I asked the Lord for a word for the year, and he gave me focus. And I have this book, which I'd mentioned to you, and, uh, and other things, this podcast, and many other things I have going on. And so I just was like, awesome. God's going to give me the priority list of things to focus on. <laughs> Of which, yeah. which of these things am I going to focus on? And then the Lord surprised me and said, I want you to focus on my face. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, my. I was like, I, I, I'll, and, and then he started to reveal to me my prayer habits are mostly about his hand. Like, I need direction. I need this. I need that. Would you do this for me? And none of this yep. sort of like worship and prayer as in being in God's presence just for being in God's presence. And so then somewhere along this way, I stumbled across your app. And, and then it gave me the mechanism to do what the Lord was telling me, which was focus on me. And so I went from the one minute to the, five, the three, to the five, to the ten. And now, like every morning, I'm spending probably 15 minutes of letting go and focusing on Jesus yeah. it's it's insane I, it's so different it's, It and it's
0: wonderful it is right wonderful. The, the effect on your soul so let's explain to folks who don't know what we're this insider talk here so here, here's what happened first off Jesus said to me John you never stop you just go and and I'm a, I'm a go kind of guy and I love to take hills and conquer things and win battles and all that he's like you never stop so I want you to I want you to learn to pause in your day. I just want to teach you to pause. And this isn't like deep monasticism and I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to the South Pacific for three months. He's like, just pause. And so it started with the driveway. I, I get in the pull in the driveway at the end of the day and I'm all spun up and wrung out and, you know, really cranked from the day. Turn off the engine in my truck, but I don't get out. I just sit in my truck. And I just sit there. And, and as I sit there, I just get quiet. We're talking one minute, folks. Like, you can do this. I just sit there. And then I begin to release it to God. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And I just begin to release it. I just sit there and be aware, be present, and just kind of let, let it go. And and then I began to love the pause so much that I was like, I can do that at lunch. I, mean, I can do that on my lunch break. I I can do that between meetings, I can just pause, you know, so I I walk out of one meeting and I'm about to walk in the other, like, I'll, I'll, I'll just take a pause, like, just walk down the hall, walk outside, go to the bathroom, I'll hide in the bathroom, you can hide in the stall, <laughs> and take a pause, you know? Uh. So this, this became so life-giving, this is so wonderful, like, learning to do this, is like this very simple rescue in the madness, and your soul just loves it. So we built an app. We're like, we have to help people to do this. And so we built this app called the One Minute Pause. It's free. It's on the App Store. One Minute Pause by Ransomed Heart. And as you were describing, Troy, there's a one-minute pause. There's a three-minute pause. There's a five-minute. And there's a ten. And there's, like, beautiful music. And then I kind of lead folks in a little bit of prayer. And the prayer is primarily around what you were describing. It's like I let it go. I let it go, you know. Release everyone and everything to you, and then heal my union with you, God. Heal my union. I need you. I need. I need your life. I need you to fill me again. And so, like more than forty thousand people have downloaded this app uh, because it, it's so life-giving. It's such a rescue, and that you know. It, it's like we're talking one minute like this is not yeah this is not it's this isn't a high bar you know we're we're not asking people you know to spend two hours a day in quiet contemplation now you might get there and that may end up being you know the joy of your life. Uh, I can't do that but but these are the little helps little things like that and I want to name a couple more uh, just because I'm on a roll here yeah so, sure the other thing the other thing I notice, Troy, is that I would—the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I check my phone, and everybody does this now. Like we're just wired to it; it's the habit. Like yeah. get up, check your phone. But as soon as you do that, you are in the matrix. You are—you are in the madness because there's the emergency text or there's the email that you forgot to answer and now they're mad or you know there's whatever it is. You know the latest news on the coronavirus and you just boom—you're in the world. Um, and it's not good for the soul. So to fight for your attention, to fight for your soul, like I just leave my phone on the counter in the morning. Don't check my phone. In fact, I'll turn it face down. Like don't chat, don't touch it for five or ten minutes. Like make a cup of coffee. For me, it's green tea. Make a cup of tea. Look out the window. Say some prayers. Like notice the sunlight. Notice what the weather's doing. Listen, listen for a moment. Like, Just be a human being. You, you get to be a human being. And so a simple choice like that, it's like the one-minute pause. It's so simple. It's so doable. Everybody can do that. But the cumulative effect of, of logging a lot of pauses, the cumulative effect of learning not to check your phone all the time, the cumulative effect of some of these practices that I talk about in the book, is really really healing like it's so good for me and i you know it's a choice i have to discipline myself don't check that phone (laughs) don't do it don't do it i know you want to see whether you know that raft (laughs) company emailed you back about this raft you're interested in or whatever don't do it don't (laughs) you know
1: so i so i i've got a um I got a question for you that, because it's been so curious in doing this, is that it's like the I've been able to focus on Jesus, and most of what I'm doing these days is letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go, over and over again, my family, things I'm con- just constantly releasing and surrendering. And prior to this, you know, I've very much been of the camp of um, what, what, what uh, extraordinary thing can be accomplished through faith, right? So I was always sort of like this dream big, uh, belief for, you know, the miraculous, you know, what amazing things can happen. And so I was always in a reach mode, um, and which kind of complemented very much like you, driver, go getter, take the hill, let's get active, let's do things how i guess my question for you personally is how has how have you been able to manage this tension of the releasing and the letting go while you also have this kind of hard driving side or are you being transformed or like how does that all look cuz i think a lot of men are like that they're hard drivers right and then you just add faith to the fuel and they're like awesome great i can believe more and drive harder and
0: achieve more
1: you know or whatever
0: yeah, yeah, yep, yep. I am that guy, um, and I'm addicted to getting stuff done. I just love getting stuff done, whether it's fixing the dripping sink or finishing a book. Like I love, I love getting stuff done. <laughs> uh, and 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 there's a real masculine quality of that, right? Because that that is masculinity. Like you are, you're wired to make a difference. You're wired to come through. You're wired to conquer. You're you're wired to kill it you know you are a warrior yeah okay so that's good but but if we're honest what what ends up happening is we attach some very core needs like identity and belovedness we attach success to getting stuff done. And we participate in the madness. Like we, come on, like we gotta be honest about our motives in this. It's not all pure. Yeah, We love, we love busyness because it makes us feel important. We love busyness because it actually makes us feel secure. It's like we are, we're taking care of our world. We're on top of it, you know? And, um, but it's a false sense of security because it's not grounded in God. And his care of our world, and so yes, you talk about transformation, like learning to pause, learning to release things to God. Heals the masculine soul, and it heals the warrior. Because I was thinking about that scripture: "Greater is he, you know, who is able to govern himself than the warrior who's able to capture an entire city." Yeah, um, that that kind of bringing your gifting, bringing your brilliance, bringing your drivenness under governance, bringing it under the rule of Christ. And then you do. You discover places that need transformation. You're like, oh, my gosh, my identity is totally wrapped up in my work. And now, now I'm beginning to feel anxious and nervous because I'm not, you know, living this insane pace You know, I'm not cranking out 500 emails a day. I'm only getting 400 done, which is still insane. But, um, you know, but suddenly you're aware of your identity, and 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 that's great stuff because now now you're down in there with God, and it's like, oh Jesus, like, you know, for me, I give everyone and everything to you. Is the centerpiece of the app. It's the centerpiece of the pause. It's it's the centerpiece, frankly, of a sane and a holy life. It's First Peter five: cast all his cares upon Him, because He cares for you. It's it's Jesus and the easy yoke. Take My yoke upon you, uh, because My yoke is not uh, harsh and it's not driven. Uh, so, um, yeah, the thing is thing is Troy, like all the research shows you actually end up more productive <laughs> like that's the you know uh, like literally the brain the brain reset from a pause you're not going to get less done guys yeah um, i think that's the, the fear brain...
1: that's yeah. the fear but but there's a lot of fear in in busyness. honestly just to be quite yep. honest like jesus definitely yep. showed me that like he said that uh, to walk with me takes more faith than to run with me, meaning yeah. that he wanted me to slow down and, and trust him versus because yep. a lot of my speed was related to anxiety and fear, like, well, if I don't keep pace, then I'm going to be overrun or I'm going to lose or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So yep. uh, uh, I've got one more question. Um, Okay, I got more than that, but <laughs> the, the thing that is coming to mind is that Jesus was a free man. He was not dictated by the demands. And I love the scriptures where he says, hey, every, where have you been? He's praying. Where have you been? Everybody's looking for you. And then he says, let's go to another city. Like, yeah. he wants us to be like that, free, completely free to follow God, irrespective of yeah. the demands. Yep,
0: and and that's yep. a it. Awesome. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it's phenomenal, and I think deep in our soul, every, everybody wants that freedom. You know, we we say, "Well, I'm not wired for that," or "You don't understand my life," or "You know, I can't." But deep in our soul, everybody wants that, and yeah. and it's really helpful to remind yourself that when you're watching Jesus, you are watching most loving person in the world, so that's love. love. Love has the ability to walk away from the chaos. Love has the ability not to be ruled by the drama. Jesus is not ruled by human need, <laughs> as if your own prayer life didn't convince you of that. Like, he's not... He's not ruled by human needs. He's, he's ruled by higher things. He's ruled by what the Father's up to. He's ruled by the pace of heaven and not the pace of the world. Okay. And he's ruled by love. And, and so the, oh my gosh, you guys, like the ability to not be harnessed, handcuffed to the drama and and the trauma and the chaos and the pace, uh, because you are governed by higher things. You're actually governed by love. You're you're governed by freedom. You're you're governed by the yoke uh, of Jesus. Where, you know, just asking Jesus, are you in that? And Jesus goes, Yeah, no, I don't want you to do that. I mean, to call this person back? Nope. You don't need to call your mom back tonight. Really? Nope. Whoa! I just got an hour of my night back. You know. <laughs> It's awesome. I'm a free it's, man. <laughs> I'm a free man.
1: Yeah. So uh so I, I wanna uh dig into one concept that you uh do in the book that honestly is a mystery and I would love to hear your, your thoughts on union with God. Um Yeah, you you dove into God. the deep
0: end of the pool. So so the <laughs> book go ahead. Was there more to your question? No,
1: that's it, trying... just oneness with God, union with God. Yeah. Okay,
0: so um, the book doesn't start there because you've got to kind of, like, learn to pause, and you've got to learn to let it go, and you've got to begin to take care of your soul because, as I was saying earlier in our conversation, you know, if your soul is, like, cooked or spun up or totally on the hamster wheel, you can't receive the grace that God is trying to send to you. And so, um, you know, in John 15, when Jesus says, look, I I am the tree trunk and you are the branches of the tree and all of the life that you need, all of the resilience and the immunity and the strength and the fruitfulness that is going to flow from my life flowing into yours. So human beings are desperately dependent creatures. We were meant that way. That's, you know, a branch has no life in itself. It's got to get its life from the trunk. But then he says something really interesting. Jesus says, remain in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. And the implication is, well, you can be a Christian, but you're not remaining in Christ. You can believe in God, but you're not abiding in union with him. The branch can can move away from the trunk. Uh, the human beings, you know, separate. Pace of life will do it. Chaos will do it. Heartbreak will do it. Addictions will do it. Just franticness will do it. I mean, we we get separated from the vine. And Jesus wouldn't have said, remain in me, if if he didn't recognize in us that we constantly don't. Uh, So now I can move into union with God. The human being, human soul, personhood, is actually meant to live in one shared life with God, one existence, one being. And, and Jesus uses the branch, you know, the trunk and the branch thing. But then he ups the ante when he he compares it to his own union with the Father. Two chapters later in John 17, he's, he takes his union with God. And obviously the Trinity is deeply one, deeply united life. And Jesus says, everything that you've seen me doing, this is all because of the power of the Father in me, power to heal my teaching, the integrity of my life around women, that's all because of the Father and I are one. He then invites us into that same oneness. And so your, your soul, your heart, your being, your spirit, your very life was meant to be united to the life of God in an ongoing reality that you are abiding in union with God. It's it's more than faith, although faith is necessary. It's more than obedience, although obedience is necessary. It is a shared existence where you are increasingly filled with the presence of God in you. And so the wisdom that you're looking for, it's just right there. And the character that you're looking for to resist, you know, the temptation, is just right there. Because you you have accepted and and are embracing the indwelling presence of God in you. Hmm. Yeah, it's deep.
1: <laughs> As I've in in going through the app, you will pray through that about being united with God, and 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 it's just uh, it's yeah, it, it's it's one of those mysteries that I that it's like. I feel like I can feel God's emotions, or I can think God's thoughts, or I can make God kind of decisions. The more and more that I'm united with Him, but yet it's not that I I do become less, but yet I become more. And I know that's completely oxymoronous, but it's it feels that way. You're you're surrender, you're let go, but then there's you you become more yep. of, of who God has yeah. made you, and yeah. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, uh, it's,
0: it's And an the issue. surrendering, and, and, and you can just, you know, there's all kinds of examples of this in life, but um, I think it was the Harvard Business Review did an article several years ago on, on the lives of, like, really great people, you know, the Einsteins and the Mozarts and people who have just made phenomenal contributions, and they found very similar things in their, in their lives, and they were not frantic people. Mm-hmm. And and they would they would take walks every day every every single one of them a oh, daily walk was part of their routine like they were able to not be ruled by the chaos and you go and that, those human beings aren't necessarily even hooked up to God but the principle is right there that it looks like you're getting less done but you actually get more done and then, you know and then you hook that up into a relationship with God you know you you give God your attention well it's all one. Okay, so Psalm 1 uh, describes two types of human experience. Uh, There's a tree, there are human beings that are described like trees planted along riverbanks, that are so nourished and so well that their leaves never wither and they prosper in everything they do. Like these trees are drinking in life every day and they're just great. They're super healthy and flourishing. And then it contrast them with chaff, people whose lives are so ephemeral, so insubstantive, so shallow and fake and hollow that they're just chaff. That the next wind blows away, the next crisis, the next piece of bad news—they're just, they're just blown away. And the difference between those two people is this: uh, first off, the ability to give God your attention. It says, but you know that. Um, but they are, um, their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, they meditate day and night. They're able to give attention to God, mm. and, they, and that's what makes them trees planted by rivers. Um, they're well-nourished human beings, and the people that are like chaff are the ones that are just spun up in the world, and, and so simple things like being able to give God your attention for more than a moment you know start with three minutes a day and then then go to five minutes you know and, and and get yourself to a place where being able to give god your attention becomes your normal again and you're healing your brain from the world and then as you're able to do that then the union comes then the abiding comes and and then man you are that tree and it says whatever they do they prosper yeah that's so beautiful,
1: John. Thank you so much for taking time to to share your heart and, uh, and for your faithfulness in writing uh, this book and just helping others to to get out of the madness.
0: Um, oh, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's a, it's a rescue, and, and like you said, you know, the app is easy, gang. The app's free. You can get on the app store. And it won't. You know, it it uh, it's going to be a lifeline.
1: So um, obviously, they can find your, your your book on on Amazon. Is there any other place you would like to point listeners to to find out more about what you're offering
0: these days? You know, um, uh, you can Google John Eldridge, and you'll find our podcast. You'll find you know what we do at Ransomed Heart, our live events, and and uh, and then on the App Store, the One Minute Pause is the name of the app. Yeah.
1: Well, John, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Uh, It's always always a joy, and uh, just uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness. It it has made many a man and woman richer, and so God bless you.
0: Thank you, Troy.
1: It was great talking to you today. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on The Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Fire Starters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at the Kindling Fire, and as always, be awesome.